this morning. I have money and fasting. Which would you like to hear about first? <laughs> well, we'll talk about money first. I really wrestled with this and have been praying for several weeks. Uh, we've been praying for months now about uh, the finances of our church. And you just need to know, historically, this church has, has always uh, been extremely generous. Uh, and, and even today, we have, we have uh, one of the most generous congregations that, that I think any pastor could ever hope uh, to, uh, to lead. But we face a, a real dilemma, and uh, we have a very, very difficult situation financially with our budget. And there are a number of reasons, none of which involve poor stewardship. We are excellent stewards over the money that, that God provides through this congregation. Uh, we keep meticulous books, and uh, we pour literally millions of dollars into ministry every year. And uh, so I don't want you to think that we're in a, in a difficult way because of poor stewardship. This past year, we have experienced a tremendous rise in expenses. We have, th- we have had things increase in cost to us that we never expected to experience. Just a couple of examples. And this is really, this is almost every department across the board, but these are just a couple of representative examples. Uh, one area is just the cost of paper. We have our own print shop and our own graphics department. We produce all of our own literature. This saves us tremendous amounts of money in sending out work to be printed and produced and so forth. And, but just the cost of paper uh, this last year has escalated tremendously. It's just been mind-boggling what we've had to pay for paper, just to, just to communicate. Uh, we've made some tremendous cutbacks in the amount of paper we use. Uh, uh, in, in numbers, of, you, you notice that we've cut way back in the stuff that's coming to you in the bulletin. We, we're no longer publishing the, uh, the magazine each month. Uh, that was a tremendous cost to us, not only to produce, but also to mail. Um, our insurance costs across the board have risen uh, tremendously. Just as one example of insurance, our workman's compensation, which we must carry by law uh, because we have employed people here, both stewards and secretaries and staff and so forth, we have to carry workman's comp. Our workman's comp uh, is, has doubled this year. We pay better than $66,000 a year now for workman's comp insurance. Uh, that just gives you an idea for the, the inflation, the, the rise in expenses uh, that we're experiencing. We, we didn't expect this, and, and these things were not forecast into our budget, but they've just come upon us, so we have to deal with them. Now, what's happened is that our, our giving rate is maintaining. We're, we're not declining in giving, but we're still giving at, 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 the, at the same rate, and that's good, but, but our expenses have outstripped the giving, and we found ourselves uh, really having to hustle to cut some things and to eliminate some things just in order to continue to break even. And we're still running in the red just a little bit. Um, in preparing this year's budget, actually projecting for the next two years, but this year's budget particularly, uh, we have cut out $700,000 in spending uh, in terms of basically support kinds of things, support programs, uh, vans, um, mailings, uh, seminars, uh, child care. We've had to cut back tremendously our, just our babysitting costs. This doesn't include children's church. That's so, it's totally different. 
but our, our, our costs for childcare and babysitting was uh, over uh, $125,000 last year. We had to tremendously cut back in that. We have so many things going on, so many children, so many ministries that we provide childcare for just to enable people, parents, to come and participate in ministries. So God's redirecting us in some of those areas, and we're recruiting more parents and more people to volunteer to be involved in childcare so we can still provide the quality programs and still provide child care, but not having to pay the tremendous babysitting costs. Uh, our staff has voluntarily, I mean, I'm talking about the entire staff, pastoral staff all the way through the secretaries and stewards and all the ministry assistants that we have, everybody has voluntarily uh, uh, foregone any cost of living increase or merit increases this year in order to keep uh, the budget uh, under out of red ink. And so, again, we're, we're just cutting in every possible way we can cut, but it still leaves us in a, in a place where we need uh, some additional income because of all the additional expenses that have arisen. So in, in much prayer and thought, I've been seeking the Lord and asking God just to provide, just you know, put it on the hearts of people, increase our giving, do something, Lord. And uh, he said, well, he said, I, I want you to go and talk to the people. I want you to present the need. I want them to know where we are. And so I just want to share with you a couple of minutes about basically uh, uh, the need and how to better meet the need. We're looking for uh, approximately a 15% increase in income. 15%. That means, now I'm speaking to people who, who Hope Chapel, this is your church. This is where you're committed. This is where you're fellowshipping. This is where you're growing. This is where you attend. This is where you're participating. And if, if you fall in that category, then there are three general subcategories of people uh, that call Hope Chapel or church. The first group are people who are coming and attending who are not giving, who are not supporting the ministry financially. Now, a few weeks ago, I shared a message with you uh, about stewardship and about giving. God's view of financing, and there are three main arenas in which God expects us to give. One, to the local church, to the work of the local ministry. Two, to needs as you see them around you, to brothers and sisters in Christ. And three, that you'd even be generous and gracious and give to even your enemies when they're in need. Uh, if we're to be like Christ, the, the, one of the main characteristics of his character and nature is that he is gracious, he is generous, and he gives... Uh, to, to all indiscriminately. And indeed, he has given abundantly to us, even, the Bible says, when we were his enemies, Christ died for us. So we're to be like him. We're to be gracious and generous people. The first arena is with the local church. And so for those of you who are attending the church and Hope Chapel is your church, if you're not giving, then I, I heartily urge you to re-examine your position, your rationale, and that you begin to give to the work of the ministry of Hope Chapel. Now you say, well, how much should I give? Well, the Bible says that you should give out of a generous heart, that you should give as the Lord leads you. Now, we have a principle uh, that's called tithing, and that's a, a principle essentially uh, that, that we gain out of the Old Testament law, that God taxed Israel and he commanded them to give 10%. Uh, the principle of giving is this, that we start about 10%. 10% is representative of the whole. All the money, all the wealth, 
The earth and everything it contains, the Bible says, belongs to the Lord. Everything belongs to his. Everything is his. We should give everything back to him, but God graciously says, you give a portion to me and a portion of what I've given you, which represents the whole, and I'll allow you to keep the rest, but you just be a good steward over the rest. So if you wonder where to start, start at 10%. Now, if you say, well, now, I, you know, my finances are in a mess. I, I, I barely make it from month to month. I, I want to give, but I can't give. If you find yourself in that place, then you come and you get some financial counseling. We have free financial counseling, excellent financial counseling available here at the church in our counseling department. You call, make an appointment with one of our counselors. Let them help you get your finances together. Uh, at the 930 service just a little while ago, one of the financial counselors, Steve Garfield, was shared a little testimony about a woman who had come uh, two weeks ago for some counseling. Her finances were in a mess. She didn't see any way out. She was going to declare bankruptcy. She was so far in debt, and she didn't see any way of getting out of it. She was giving, but everything else was a mess. And just within a, a, just a couple of short hours of counseling and rearranging, uh, just her finances were just absolutely cleaned right away. Uh, the, her debts are being paid off. Uh, everything is just wonderfully being cleared away. And she's giving twice as much as she was giving before. And she just can't hardly get over it. All it takes is someone to sit down with you and help you clarify your finances if you're in a tough place, okay? So come and get some counsel if you need it. The second group of people are people who are attending Hope Chapel regularly and who are giving a little bit, nominally. When the plate goes by, you throw a couple of bucks in and that's about it. I would ask you also and strongly urge you to reevaluate your attitude towards giving. You may not trust the church. You may think we're a bunch of crooks. Uh, you may be stingy. I don't know. But, but you need to go to the Word of God, and you need to see where God commands you and expects you to be a faithful steward and to give generously to the work of the ministry. So you need to reevaluate your, your, your position. You need to reevaluate your motivations, your, rational for, your rationale for what you're doing or not doing, and come to terms with those things uh, before the Lord. The third category are people who are already giving, uh, some giving 10%, some giving more. Uh, there are several families in our church giving considerably more than that, uh, who are learning the secret of being generous givers. Uh, they're learning the secret of hilarity in giving, becoming hilarious givers. And indeed, when you reach that point, it just becomes an, a party. Uh, you can hardly wait to give, and you look for opportunities to give. And most of us need to make those kinds of breakthroughs in our life. But even in that third category where we have some exceedingly generous people in the church, I would ask you also to reevaluate and to look to possibly giving more. Again, we're looking at an overall increase of 15%. That would mean that if you're giving uh, 10%, that you add 1.5%. That's essentially what we're talking about. That would be an increase of 15%. So be praying about it, be thinking about it, uh, know that we're, we're operating on a, on a very narrow margin right now. Uh, we're in the red, projected for uh, the rest of the year, and we'd like to get in the black and be able to restore some of the support ministries as well as be able to uh, give a cost of living and some merit increases to uh, people who are deserving on our staff. Now, I just want to give you an opportunity to uh, address any questions you might have. I know this is kind of sudden, but... If you have a question, if you're just curious about something, 
uh, please feel free to ask it, and I'll answer it to the best of my ability. Anybody have a question? Somebody asked earlier, can, 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 can they evaluate the books? Yes. Uh, the books are open if you want to come. They're rather extensive. Uh, so you want to call and make an appointment with Rick Thompson, who is our administrative pastor, and he'll be more than happy to sit down with you and walk you through uh, the, book, the finances. Yes, sir. Use help non financially. Yeah, we. Yeah, we, we're, we're working at recruiting volunteer services. A lot of the support services can be volunteer service, like with childcare, uh, with helping with setup and tear down of seminars. Uh, not that I'm aware of. No, I don't think so. We, we just need to pay the workman's comp bill. <laughs> we paid that, but you see, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. So as many, as, in many areas where we can, we're looking to recruit additional volunteer help uh, to, to provide all the support services, but that still doesn't negate the need for uh, offerings and uh, giving to support the rest of the ministry. We're constantly expanding this ministry, and new ministries are coming along. It costs money to run this food bank. We're buying food. Uh, at I think five or ten cents is Bruce is Bruce still here? Five or ten cents a pound for uh, food. What is it? Ten cents a pound and storing food to give away and uh, storage and so forth and uh, there's just a lot to do. So all of this costs money, and as well as the upkeep on the building and lights and so forth. Okay. Um, do any of the shortages have anything to do with, the, with our, our saving for a new house? No. Uh, most of you are aware that we are con- in a continual savings program, and I'm going to be coming and talking about this uh, probably in another month, about uh, a one-year special offering campaign program over and above our normal giving uh, towards continuing savings uh, for our expansion for our new facility. Now, you're aware that we own the, the property next door, and we're awaiting still yet the opportunity to occupy it, and if that means to buy Lucky's out of their lease, we're, we're looking at that. Um, we have a million and a half dollars roughly uh, saved up in um, certificates of deposit, uh, interest-bearing accounts, and so forth, but we want to keep liquid in case that opportunity comes for us to buy the lease, that we'd be ready and able to do it. But then we're going to need some money to, go, to actually move in and do any renovations. And in addition to that, we have a, a $1 million balloon payment due in four and a half years, and we want to be able to pay that off. So in, just in terms of one-year increments, uh, we always have a, a turnover in the congregation, and all the previous generations of Hope Chapelites have participated in, uh, in accruing uh, savings and preparing, and uh, even the people who, who bought this building and, and, and provide the money to renovate this building have, uh, have provided for you as, as the present generation of Hope Chapel, and there will be succeeding generations of people who are going to get saved through this ministry. They're going to participate, and they'll have ample opportunity to participate. So each year we want to uh, um, develop a campaign to save additional money over and above what we're normally giving, hopefully uh, at the tune of a million dollars a year. And as we do that, we were able to do that last year the past four years, we were able to save that kind of money and buy the properties around us. 
and uh, be prepared for uh, expansion. So it's not going to hurt us in that way. If you're giving already to Call to Grow to the savings program, don't uh, quit giving. Just continue giving to that uh, and just reevaluate your normal giving. Another question? No, we, we, don't, we don't have car washes and bake sales and things like that uh, because the Bible says that we should fund everything out of the gifts and the offerings of the people. If you want to have a bake sale or a garage sale and sell all your stuff and bring the, the proceeds, that's fine. I mean, the people in the early church did that. They, they sold off their goods and they brought the money to the church. But for the church to put on bake sales and so forth, that uh, we don't find that in Scripture. That's not the biblical model. To the offerings, the tithes, the gifts of the people. Jackie? Can you bring food in to help the food bank? Yeah, see Bruce and talk with him about those particular needs. You know, two or three times a year we, we have food drives uh, to help the food bank, and uh, Bruce always lets us know when he needs food. Okay, when you have an unsaved spouse who is the source of family income and does not want to give any money to the church, uh, pray for him. Pray for him. And if he says, if he forbids you to give any money to the church, obey your husband. Obey your husband. Don't rob the grocery money and snitch from here and there and just drop a little bit. Honor God. You're going to honor God through honoring your husband and obeying him and praying for him. And your husband will come to the Lord a lot more quickly if, you're, if he sees a loving, gracious, submissive wife and the one who trusts the Lord. So you just pray for him and honor him. Just write it as your normal offering. You're just going to increase your offering by X amount. That's between you and God. We don't need to know that it's extra. Just you and the Lord. Good. Uh, this family, the husband prayed and said, Lord, increase my income so I can give more, and God increased his income, now he's giving more. A lot of people have done that. That's a pretty good solution. Okay? So be praying about it and be thinking about it. If this is your church, uh, know that we have uh, a measure of need, and we just ask you to help us to meet the need, the increased expenses that uh, we hadn't planned on. The second subject I want to talk to you about is, is fasting. We are... Uh, already uh, half a day into our 14-day uh, fast. I'm excited, and I know many of you are, and uh, we're looking forward to the Lord doing some wonderful things. I want to call your attention to the notes this morning and uh, just have you follow through with me, just make a few comments, and then we'll have a few moments for any questions you might have uh, with regard to fasting, because I know you'll probably have some. First of all, a real simple definition of fasting. We're talking about voluntarily abstaining for a limited time from any kind of food, whether solid or liquid, for the sake of intense spiritual activity. I want to emphasize those words and indeed have you underline them, intense spiritual activity. This is a 14-day period where we are really going to be focusing in on our individual relationships with the Lord as well as our corporate relationship as a church with God. 
Lord, what is your will? What do you want to do? Uh, what do you want to reveal in us and through us and so forth? How do you want to work with us? So again, uh, a fast is a, is a limited period of time of abstaining from food. Now, there are three things that a fast is not. And uh, I want to point these out because uh, these are things that have a tendency to cloud and, and, and color our thinking a little bit about fasting. First of all, fasting is not a spiritual hunger strike. We're not entering into this hunger strike and demanding that God meet our needs, as some would understand a hunger strike. We're not petulant children. We're gracious, thankful, praising children uh, who are entering into this time of fasting uh, to participate in a more intense way in our relationship with him. So we're not going on a spiritual hunger strike, nor is a fast any kind of manipulative device. We're not trying to manipulate God. We're not trying to curry his special favor, win special things from him by fasting. Fasting doesn't change God, it changes people. And so this is not a manipulative device. And thirdly, fasting is not merely another form of dieting. We're not dieting. Although all of us are going to experience a measure of weight loss, some of us I know have been bulking up in anticipation of this two weeks. <laughs> some of us call it carbo-loading. I anticipate losing about 20 to 25 pounds, and though I need it, that's not my primary focus uh, during these next two weeks of fasting. So there are some things that fasting is not. Let's look at fasting from a number of perspectives. In your notes, I've written to you, fasting is a time for, and then four points. First of all, it's a time for personal humbling and repentance. The Bible says that we should humble ourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, and that he would exalt us. In all of us, we need regular seasons of humbling. We need to bow ourselves before the Lord regularly in a significant kind of way. You see, we live, we live in this human nature. We live in this earth suit that so often tugs us and drags us and causes us to drift away and get away from the real significant things uh, of life and of the kingdom of God. And uh, we find ourselves becoming prideful. Uh, we find ourselves becoming arrogant, insensitive. And so there are regular occasions where we need uh, to humble ourselves. And fasting corporately as a body is one of those times when we can do that. And as we humble ourselves, that's a tremendous opportunity for repentance to bear some fruit. You can't repent. Repent means to turn from going one direction to going a new direction. And all of us have areas in our lives where we need to turn away from something and turn to God and move in a new direction. And so you can never really truly repent without first humbling yourself. And uh, David writes in Psalm 35, he says, I humbled myself with fasting. And so again, fasting is a tremendous opportunity for humbling and then repentance. Isaiah chapter 58, the classic passage on fasting in the Bible and the Old Testament, talks about not just abstaining from food, but also fasting in the sense of learning how to live your life in a whole new orientation, a whole new direction. One of those ways is uh, feeding the poor. And uh, Isaiah points that out, and we've had uh, ample testimony this morning about that opportunity. 
Fasting also is a, is a time for renewal, spiritual renewal and spiritual recommitment. The Bible talks about in the New Testament, Romans chapter 12, Paul says that, that as our mind, as our thinking is renewed, that our lives are transformed. You, you won't make any significant changes, long-lasting changes in your life unless your thinking gets changed, and especially thinking about spiritual issues. And during a season of prayer and fasting, because we're focusing on the Lord more intensely, because we're spending more time, more intently studying his word, because we're in a much more uh, uh, accountable situation with, with respect to fellowship with one another, then it's a tremendous time for spiritual renewal to go on, for renewing of our thinking, our priorities, our perspective, and undergo a transformation in our life, which allows us for a significant recommitment of our life to the Lord and to his kingdom. And all of us, again, need seasons, we need opportunities for uh, recommitment. How many times have we made the effort, have we committed ourselves, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna get up early every morning, uh, 20 minutes early, a half hour early, an hour early, and I'm gonna spend time in prayer, I'm gonna spend time with God, right? And we start off with gangbusters, and if we're meeting with another brother or sister, that helps to have that accountable relationship. But if you're just doing it by yourself, you may start out great, but somewhere along the line, a few days, weeks, maybe a month or two or three or four later, uh, it, it begins to diminish a little bit. Maybe you sleep in one morning. You don't get up that hour earlier. And then it just opens the door for the next day to sleep in. And find you, you, you find yourself pretty soon, you're not doing what you'd wanted to do. And again, it's largely because we live in these earth suits that don't want to do what the Spirit wants us to do. And uh, so there's a time for recommitment to the things that we've set our hearts to that maybe we've gotten a little neglectful about. Fasting also is a time uh, for learning to understand, to apprehend, to, to more clearly see and grasp what God's will is and what his purpose is. Uh, the passage that I've given you to look up and read in Daniel uh, is a tremendous opportunity. Daniel is fasting 21 days, and he wants to know what God's will is. That's his whole purpose for prayer and seeking God in fasting. And uh, you know the account, most of you, uh, an angel comes at the end of that period, and he said, Daniel, I want to assure you that the very day you began praying, God heard your prayers. But I've been held up. There's been spiritual warfare going on in the heavenlies. And, and the archangel Michael came and had to help me out. But I'm here now, and I'm here to answer your prayer, and I'm here to bring you God's word. I'm here to bring you understanding of what his will is. And we have lots and lots of occasions in our life when we want clearer understanding of just what God's will is. Uh, somebody wants, you're going to move. You, you, you have the need to move, or, and you don't know where to move. Uh, go to God. Prayer and fasting. Say, Lord, where would you have me move? Where is it your will for me to live? Too many times we rush off and we do things just in our own uh, fallible human understanding, and we're sorry after the fact because we've made a horrible mistake. The Bible says, acknowledge the Lord in all your ways and don't lean on your own understanding. Um, maybe you're looking for a job. You, you don't know what to do. Uh, you want to make a career change. Prayer and fasting, a tremendous time to begin to understand and seek God for what his will. Lord, what is your will? What would you have me be doing? How can I be productive and fruitful and, and built up and enjoy what I would be doing? And God made you. He knows what's best for your life. So it would make sense to go to the maker, wouldn't it? 
and to spend some time. And fasting is a tremendous opportunity to be able to really clarify what God's will is. We have lots and lots of single people in our church who are longing to be married and wondering, you know, does God have a spouse for me? Does God have a husband or a wife for me? Who is it? Who should I marry? All these people, you know, I don't know who to marry. Pray, fast. Whenever you're making any kind of significant decision in your life, pray and fast. Don't lean on your own understanding because invariably you'll make a terrible mistake. And, and life is full of these kinds of mistakes. And people lament rushing off and making a foolish choice and, and not taking it to the Lord, not waiting on God. Lord, I want your will. I want your will. So be sensitive to that. And a fourth thing is that fasting is a time for also expressing wholehearted devotion to the Lord. The, the prophet Joel speaks to Israel. And he says, Return to the Lord with tears, with weeping, with sackcloth, with fasting. And, and all of these things are expressions of wholehearted devotion to the Lord. Lord, I want to love you with my whole heart, with my whole mind, with my whole soul, with my whole strength. And though we long for that, and all of us express that, and down in, in the deepest part of our being, we say, oh God, I want to do but I just, I'm having such a hard time. Well, fasting is one of those avenues whereby as you enter into this intense time, very focused time, where you will be, in fact, returning to him with a much more wholehearted devotion. You'll see it in your life and your purpose in your heart for that. Again, fasting does not change God. It changes men. We're not going to get God to change anything except he's going to work in us and we're going to be changed people. Now, all of these things are, are, are the primary elements and benefits and, and, and uh, uh, emphases of fasting, and they're all spiritual. There are some secondary benefits and some very significant secondary benefits to fasting. There are two of them, and I want to point these out to you. The first is that many of us are going to learn some self-control in some areas we didn't have some self-control. Self-control is a very, very important issue. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12... Paul says this, I will not be mastered by anything. Now, we all know people, and, and many of us, have, have what we call compulsive behaviors. We're mastered by something. There's something in our life that's it's almost like a monkey in our back, and we hate it, and we wish we could be free from it, and it really is a master. Developing this self-discipline through this period of fasting is going to show us whether we are spirit-controlled people or body-controlled people. We're spirit-controlled people or we're controlled by the physical. John Wesley, the great evangelist from the early 18th century and pastor and the founder of the whole Methodist movement, God moved mightily through him for revival, uh, made this statement, my body doesn't tell me, I tell it. Real simple, real succinct, and yet powerful. And for many of us, our bodies are dictating to us. And, and you're going to find that out as you fast. Your body's going to start rebelling. It's going to go, hey! Hey, did you forget me down here? That stomach is going to start screaming and it's going to start yelling for some food. And say, hey, by the way, we're empty down here. And it's going to pound a little bit on you. And you're going to say, quiet down there. What do you mean, quiet? I'm giving you a rest. Arrest? How long? Two weeks. What? 
And boy, I tell you, your, body's, your body, your stomach is going to give you a hard way to go, some of you. But you're going to learn some self-discipline. You're going to learn to tell your body, not your body always telling you. I mean, it's amazing. Two, three days into the fast, you're going to discover how often you really go to the refrigerator unconsciously. How it is, is, it is your security blanket. Okay? So you can learn some self-discipline. The second point is that uh, fasting reveals what controls us. Not just in the, in the physical arena with respect to our physical desires and appetites, but also in the personal area, in our temperament. What really controls us? Anger. Is anger really in control? Bitterness, jealousy, envy. Um, are you a critical kind of a person? See, these things lie just under the surface. And as long as things are running smoothly, they don't necessarily surface. And they stay under there, undermining you, sabotaging your faith, weakening you uh, at the core. And so it's through fasting, as you deliberately weaken your body, and you deliberately put yourself in a vulnerable place, that these things will surface. I guarantee you. How many people have, 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 have fasted and you found yourself a little bit snippy? I mean, people are just, you know, it's not all agreeable and you're a little bit on edge. And you say, well, you have to excuse me, I'm fasting, I'm just hungry. No, no, it's not just you're hungry and you're fasting. What it is, is that there is real anger in there that you need to deal with that remains undealt with. You need to acknowledge it. You need to deal with it. You need to confess it. Same thing with critical attitude. Same thing with bitterness. Same thing with envy or jealousy. All of these kinds of things we all contend with. And it's when we deliberately weaken ourselves, when we're relying on the strength of the Lord, these things surface. And we have opportunity uh, to repent of them and to deal with them. So you'll find out what really does control your life. Now there's some things to remember. Uh, first, am I confident that this desire to fast is God-given? No, Zach's making us do it. No, I'm not making you do it. I'm praying and hoping and asking that you will go to the Lord and you'll say, Lord, how should I participate? Luke records that Jesus was led by the Spirit out into the wilderness and that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. I believe God's leading us in this church-wide fast. And I'm asking you to participate and I'm asking you to seek the Lord. And as you seek the Lord, to ask him also, Lord, how should I participate? Should I participate in a normal fast? Should I participate in a partial fast? There's a third kind of fast, and that is a, a, a total fast. We're not doing that, an absolute fast. We're not doing an absolute fast. That's no food, no water at all. We're not doing that. Uh, either a normal fast, which means only water, or a partial fast, which means only partial food. One of those two. But you have to seek the Lord and ask him, Lord, what would you have of me, particularly if you haven't done so already? Secondly, are my motives right? What are my motives? Why am I doing this? Examine your motivations. Ask yourself this question. Is there any hidden desire to impress other people? Am I doing this just to be accepted? Or am I doing this because I want to grow immature spiritually? What are your motivations? Some of you are going to experience a little bit of tension during the week because you'll be fasting and people at work and so forth will say, well, hey, why don't, let's go to lunch. 
and all of a sudden you, you're, you have a little dilemma. You, you can't go to lunch, and you remember Jesus says, don't tell anybody you're, when you're fasting, don't say you're fasting. Don't let anybody know. Well, what Jesus is saying is don't, don't stand out on the street corners like the Pharisees did, and, and they fasted Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they let everybody know it. So everybody would think, oh, how spiritual they are. It's okay to tell somebody, well, no, our church is fasting, and, and I'm participating in the church-wide fast, and so I'll go to lunch with you in two weeks. Just keep it real low-key. <laughs> Did I say something funny? Did I say something funny? Two weeks? That's funny? <laughs> I don't know. The point... <laughs> The point is, is that you don't, you don't really try to appear spiritual. You say, well, I'm fasting. <laughs> you say, that, that's totally inappropriate. You know, you know what I'm saying? So you keep it at just very low-key and very um, uh, modest level if you have to share with somebody. Um, what are my spiritual objectives during this fast? What are my spiritual objectives? And certainly you should have some. One being personal growth, personal sanctification. Another should be intercession. You have some issues or some people, some, some circumstances that you're interceding. You're going to God in a very intense way uh, and you're praying about uh, for. Now, there are some, some elements that I think are important to point out at this point. And I just want to point them out to you. We live in two realms simultaneously. Are you aware of that? We live in an unseen realm and a seen realm, both simultaneously. And that unseen realm is more real than the seen realm. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. He says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. In other words, the emphasis of our life, the, we fix our gaze and our focus on that which is unseen, on the kingdom of God, not on this life so much. He says, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Jesus says, don't store up your treasure on earth, store it up where? In heaven. In other words, he says, have a sense, have a real awareness of, of this heavenly realm that is eternal, that is far more real than this realm. And too many times we pour all of our energies into this realm, we focus on this realm alone, and with very little uh, input and very little visibility of that spiritual realm. Now, if you're going to participate in that spiritual realm in a significant way, and believe me, God calls us and expects us to participate in a significant way, but if you, if you want to, and if you plan to, if you hope to, then there needs to be some elements in your life. And any, if any one of these elements are missing, then these can be spiritual purposes, spiritual goals for you to grow in and mature in during this fast. Let me name some of them for you quickly. Faith. Faith. You cannot, you cannot function in the spiritual realm without faith. You cannot please God without faith. You've got to believe and trust Him. You've got to trust Him. Your circumstances may assail you. Your emotions may overwhelm you. We don't live by our circumstances. We don't live by our emotions. We live by faith and faith in God and His Word. And God says, walk by faith. Trust me. Your circumstances may be crazy. Your emotions may be going haywire. Trust me. 
Walk by faith. Do what I say to do, and your life will be blessed. And so if you have need for strengthening in your faith, pray for that. Focus on that during this fast. God, I need to have my faith strengthened. Show me how I can exercise these faith muscles. And he'll do it. Another one is repentance. We've talked about that briefly. Repentance. If there's something in your life that's not right, repent. Humble yourself and turn around. Get rid of it. You can't function. You can't function efficiently, significantly in that unseen realm without repentance and without engaging that. A third is love. Agape love. God's love. You can't generate it on your own. There are lots and lots of people in the church who still yet do not know how to receive God's love. There are people who just do not know how to receive God's love. They're professing Christians. They come every Sunday. They read their Bible. But they don't know how to receive God's love. This is a tremendous time for you to focus in on your relationship with the Lord and say, Lord, help me make a breakthrough and so I might know how to receive your love. And then be able to give it out. And then be able to give it out. God's love. Not human love. God's love. Another one is thanksgiving. We are to be a thankful people. We mean to be a thankful people. The scriptures encourage us, urge us, command us to give thanks in all things, for all things. Well, how in the world can you be thankful when things are caving in around you? Again, fasting is a time, is an occasion when you can grow in your understanding of God's grace and your thankful response. All of us, I know, want to be thankful people. And yet our, 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 our situations, our life, things come in that disappoint us, discourage us. Uh, our expectations aren't met. We're disappointed and so forth. But even in the face of all these things, rather than saying, oh, darn, oh, drat, oh, heck, Lord, thank you. Thank you anyway. Thank you anyway. You see, that's the mark of a person who really is understanding and grasping and committed to the Lord. It's not a a fatalistic resignation to circumstances. It's an alive, vibrant response to the grace of God regardless of the circumstance. God, thank you anyway. Bless your name anyway. And so if you have a need for growing in this arena of becoming a more thankful person, let that be a focus. Let that be a spiritual goal, a purpose during this fast for yourself. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. You can't operate in that spiritual unseen realm without engaging, receiving, or giving forgiveness. Some of you need to forgive yourselves. Some of you need to forgive other people. Some of you need to forgive God. You're holding grudges against God for some reason. Some of you need to receive forgiveness from somebody else as well as give it. Forgiveness is a very essential element in operating in this unseen realm. Giving, we've talked about that. Becoming a gracious person. If you have trouble, if you're a a person who's withdrawn, who's inward, who's not able to reach out, let that be part of the focus of the fast. Lord, help me, strengthen me, show me how I can be a more giving person. Not only with my money, but with my time, with my energy, with the gifts, talents, abilities. Whatever it is God's blessed you with. Lord, I'm sick and tired of being an inward, withdrawn, self-absorbed individual. Help me to be more like you. Help me to be gracious in giving. 
So all of these things are characteristics, certainly, of God and of a healthy, strong, growing, maturing Christian life. And they are all fundamentally essential to operation, to involvement in that spiritual realm. And again, through a period of fasting, you can engage those and you can grow if you have need in any one of those areas. Lastly, a few practical hints and then we'll close. First of all, if you're under a doctor's care for any reason, if you're sick, if you're taking medication, if you're pregnant, if there's any kind of a problem, uh, don't fast without your doctor's permission. If you have an eating disorder, don't engage this fast without your counselor or your doctor's permission. If you have an eating disorder and you're not seeing a doctor or a counselor, start seeing somebody. Don't engage this fast and use it as an excuse to further your eating disorder. Secondly, during the fast, drink lots of water. Normally, the, all the food we take has high water content. They eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, has lots of water. But you're not going to be eating all those things, and so you're going to be reducing your water intake. So you have to supplement your water intake. Drink lots and lots of water every day throughout the fast. Don't let that pass. Thirdly, be prepared for some physical, mental, or emotional reactions. We've already talked about some of those in terms of uh, anger and so forth, uh, developing self-discipline. Initially, you'll be hungry. Later, you might feel some weakness or faint. Uh, These things will subside, and you'll actually begin to feel stronger and experience little or no desire for food. It's amazing. The longer you go on your fast, uh, the further away you get away from that stimulus, the less desire you have for it, and the stronger you actually feel. It's absolutely amazing. You'll, if you do go longer term in your fast, you'll find that to be true. Uh, fourthly, when we break the fast in two weeks, Saturday uh, the 28th, that evening, we're going to have a big worship service here that Saturday evening. And as we break the fast, do so with uh, foods that are high water content foods. Lots of fruits, vegetables, salads. Uh, please don't, don't go out and have a prime rib celebration meal, you know. <laughs> Steak dinner, ribs, chili size or whatever, yeah. For the first couple of days, and it's certainly those of you who are going to do the all 14 days with us, uh, then for the, ne- for the next three or four days, you break that fast with high water content foods. Don't eat a lot of heavy foods during that uh, those initial days after the fast. Now, with those thoughts in mind, just a couple of moments we devote to questions. If you have questions about the fast, you have a question? Yeah, in terms of exercising, exercising. If, you're, if you exercise vigorously and you're going to be doing a normal fast with no food during the 14 days, I would suggest uh, to just maintain you not do any vigorous exercise. Uh, how are you going to go to work and do a good job? Uh, in all the long-term fasts that I've done, I've always been able to go to work and do a good job. And uh, you'd be surprised. If you've never done a long-term fast, uh, that's always an apprehensive thought. Uh, I would say take it day to day and just, and just watch yourself. I think you'll be able to do a good job. Now, if you do heavy manual labor and you work around dangerous machinery and so forth, I'd suggest that uh, you, you really consider... Uh, safety in terms of uh, how much food or, su- or sustenance you will take. Just use wisdom. Don't try to be a hero uh, because we don't want you to uh, uh, do anything that's going to be harmful.
But basically, I think you'll find that most everybody could fast, uh, a long-term fast, without any detrimental effects. But again, use wisdom, and if you have any questions, check with your, your doctor, and just take it a day at a time, okay? Take it a day at a time. Uh, the two-week length. The Bible talks about varying lengths of fast. They go from one day to 40 days. And uh, uh, I'm personally interested in, in fasting varying lengths of time. And I think the congregation needs to have the opportunity also uh, to have the experience of fasting varying lengths of time. We've done one-day fast, two-day fast, three-day fast, 10-day fast. This is the first 14-day fast. Uh, I anticipate fast, fasting. And, and you have to see that fasting is... Uh, really a, a lost spiritual discipline in the church. If you study church history, the Old Testament, even the New Testament, uh, fasting was very, very much a regular part of, of the life of the church and Christians not only individually but corporately. And uh, it's been lost. It's a tremendous opportunity for us to draw closer to the Lord. And uh, so varying lengths fasts, uh, I think we all need to have some experience at that. So there's no particular significance to 14 days other than the fact it's a longer-term fast. And it's a safe one. It's a safe one. Vitamins, if you're not eating food, don't take vitamins. You just waste them. You've got to be eating food because food is necessary for their absorption and their utilization. Yeah, we, I don't know anything about that. Yeah, I, I, I think if you just use wisdom and you're, you're, you're in a relationship with some other people, uh, I don't think that that would happen. You take Tylenol for headaches? Take Tylenol for headaches, sure, sure. Some of you who are, some of you who have, who are, who are hooked on caffeine and uh, some of these other things, uh, you're probably going to experience some withdrawal. If you haven't already gotten off that stuff weeks before, you're going off it now, you're probably going to have some withdrawal headaches and probably take some... Aspirin or some Tylenol or something for your headaches, sure. Any other questions? We're also fasting television uh, these two weeks. Now, one more word, too, about children. Uh, don't, don't require your children to fast food. Uh, they should be eating their normal intake, food intakes. Uh, but I would encourage you to uh, encourage your children to fast television, fast Nintendo, uh, Sega, some of the other TV video games and so forth that are available. It ought to be a time when, you know, they may be a little rebellious and not want to do it. Uh, but as, you, as you're going to take additional time in their lives and spending time reading the Word and prayer and fellowship with them, there's lots of things that parents can do. I know my son is really excited because we're going to, and we've read this book over and over and over, and we're going to go back through it. We haven't read it in a year. It's called Dangerous Journey. And it's a children's version of Pilgrim's Progress. And he loves it. And uh, we're going to begin reading that again tonight uh, through the two weeks. Uh, it's a tremendous, tremendous uh, thing. And uh, I know my son looks forward to these times when our family spends much, much more time uh, together in prayer and in the Word and so forth. Yes, sir. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. 
if, if you do break the fast, uh, well, that's entirely up to you. It's not a negative thing. Uh, there are some people who have the best intentions of going long term, and you find that you really are not able to do it. And you fail at your goal. Uh, God's not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. So don't be mad at yourself. Okay? That's right. The last three days are the three days that we'd like the whole congregation to focus on, especially so that we're all breaking the fast together. So you'll be fasting uh, whether you go through the whole time or part of the time, whether a normal fast or partial fast. At least everybody will be focusing, especially on the last three days. Okay, so everybody can do a partial fast throughout the 14 days, but let's focus on uh, the last three days in terms of a normal fast. Yeah, Big Bird for one and two-year-old in Sesame Street, yeah. Uh, do your best. I mean, you know, it's not, it's not absolute. But, I mean, as, as our kids get older, we certainly don't want them to be in the habit of watching the tube and becoming passive participants in life. It's one thing to be entertained, but we have far too much television, far too much passive participation in our lives. And if you're training them that young, uh, then they're going to just have it more later on. Gary? Depends on the individual. Generally, after the second, third, fourth day, you start really getting strong. You start really cooking. Uh, I would say that uh, fast radio as well as TV. If you're, if you're, you know, a secular TV, a secular radio person, yeah, fast it. Listen to Christian radio, sure. If it'll help you in your worship time and your private devotional time, wonderful. Put on Christian music, sure. TBN? <laughs> I, I'd, I'd, I'd encourage you just to spend the time quietly with the Lord. Amen. Alice? Well, you talk to your doctor about that. Ask your doctor. Yeah. Yeah, whatever your doctor says. Okay, let's close with some prayer.